Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Um, I've been praying for, uh, for a few weeks on what uh, I was going to share with you this morning. And I've wrestled with a few different things, but I'm going to be honest. Um, what I'm going to share with you is actually the very first thing that came to my heart when I started thinking about this morning and what we were going to be sharing. Um, This morning, we're going to be talking about something that I think all of you have heard, that all of you will know something about. We're going to be talking about love. Okay, I expected a reaction. That wasn't, there was nothing there. (laughs) We are going to be talking about love. Ah, there you go. There you go. See? There we go. I like that. So, okay, I want, I need your help. You guys are starting to wake up now. You know, the coffee's kicking in. We've had some great time in worship. Heard a wonderful testimony. So I need your help. Uh, When I say the word love, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Tiff. Tiff. Okay, your spouse. All right, good. Good. No sleeping on the couch for you. Excellent. What else? What else comes to mind? Jesus. Okay. What else? Commitment. Good. Wow. Relationships. Okay. Some more. You guys are worse than the youth. Come on. Pizza. We're going to have a conversation, you and I, later. Suffering. Listening. Family. Respect, okay. All right, you guys are all better than me because when I think of kind of love, the first thing that pops into my head is something like this. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Sasha Tiff, yeah? You're going to do that for her later, okay. Another thing that, um, so, okay, I'm going to blame Diana for this one. Uh, this is one of the movies she really likes. But when I think of love, I think of this song. When you meet the someone who was meant for you, Before two can become one, there's something you must do. Do you pull each other's tails? Do you feed each other's feet? No, there is something sweeter everybody needs. I've been dreaming of a true love's kiss, and a prince I'm hoping comes with this. That's what brings ever after so happy. And that's the reason we need lips so much. For lips are the only things that touch. So to spend a life of endless bliss, just find who you love through truth. So I don't know if you knew the reason lips exist were for true love's kiss. 
Um, okay, there's a reason I played these for you. When we talk about love, and you guys did a really good job, I'm really impressed, but when we talk about love, usually we start talking about things like emotion, we start thinking about this magical feeling, and like the video said, true love's kiss, and everything makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, and this is kind of how we've been conditioned today to think about love. Love has become a word that really doesn't hold very much power to it, but it has become a word that leads to self-satisfaction. It's become a word that it's not necessarily about somebody else, but it's about how you feel. It's about what love does for you, what, how love can impact you. We watch Disney movies, and um, I do watch Disney movies too. It's okay. But one of the things we understand through Disney movies, if we pay attention a little bit, is that their definition of love is this big fairy tale and a Prince Charming coming in at the end and saving you and rescuing the day and everything is wonderful and you get your true love's kiss and it's great. Wow, so they're just, <laughs> huh? And this is how we've been taught what love is. I had somebody once say to me that one of the reasons we have less and less men in church is because all we talk about love. And love has no power to it. Love is just an emotion. It's just affection. And I truly believe that today in our society, this is what we believe. That love really has no power. Love comes quickly. Love goes quickly. And I have a few quotes for you. Let's, let's see what they say. I am selfish, impatient, and lit hang, hang, let me try that again. I'm selfish, impatient, and a little insecure. I make mistakes, I'm out of control at times, and hard to handle. But if you can't handle me at my worst, then you don't deserve me as, at my best. This is from Marilyn Monroe. You guys heard of her? Okay, next one. Now, you know you're in love when you can't fall asleep because reality is finally better than in your dreams. The ever so talented Dr. Seuss. Let's check the next one. Love is like the wind. You can't see it, but you can feel it. Nicholas Sparks, you guys ever watch The Notebook? Oh, oh I heard an oh. Oh, my heart. Nicholas Sparks is a, a, is a writer of romance novels, and they've made a bunch of them into movies. Um, yes, if you want to get really confused about what love is, watch his or read his books and watch his movies. Um, but it's interesting. This actually sounds really good, right? Oh, love is like the wind. You can't see it, but you can feel it. And it, it almost sounds biblical, right? Like those words are actually in the Bible. But they actually don't refer to love. They refer to faith. It's taking something that sounds really, really good, but using it in the wrong way. Next. We accept the love we think we deserve. I find that interesting. Love is something that you deserve. It's something that you're entitled to. And finally, we are shaped and fashioned 
by what we love. For some, it's pizza. I got you, brother. I got you. Yeah, some of us are shaped a little bit more like pizza than others. (sighs) Easy there. But I find it interesting that in all these quotes of what the world thinks love is, you actually look at them and they're actually very selfish. It's about how love can make me better, how love can make me happy, how love can fill a void that is obviously there. You see, and all this love, is, it's, it's fleeting. If you read the Nicholas Sparks books or watch his movies, love comes and love goes. It's, it's very much like the wind, but there's no substance to it. There's nothing there. It's very emotional. It's about, what, what was the Dr. Seuss quote? Can we go back to that one? Maybe? We're getting there. One more. There you go. You know you're in love when reality is finally better than in your dreams. See, the love that we've become accustomed to isn't even reality. It's a dream. It's an idea. It's a thought. It's something that really can't be achieved. It's become meaningless. Because dreams, they come and they go. Today, we have a divorce rate that is so high because people decide that they don't feel anything anymore. The love is gone. They're holding on to, or they started with a love that had a foundation in nothing. Because emotions, okay, how many of you are emotional in here? Raise your hands, it's okay. All right, I am one of them. Your emotions, they come and they go, right? One moment you're happy. Maybe a little bit later on the day, you might watch one of those Nicholas Sparks movies and then you're sad. But then you get to the end of the movie and you're happy again. Or sometimes you're having a conversation with your spouse and they don't say nice things like Sasha just said earlier. They say mean things and you're mad. But those are emotions, right? They come and they go. They're not consistent. They change by circumstances. But love, you see, shouldn't change with circumstances. Love needs to have a foundation that's a lot deeper than that. And because of this, we understand that the love that we talk about today really means nothing. It's become corrupt by things like beauty and the beast. And you're going to ask me, well, how did beauty and the beast corrupt love? I want you to think about this for a second. Actually, I'm going to give you an example. Before I make you think, I'm going to give you an example. Little girls were made to watch Beauty and the Beast. And after watching Beauty and the Beast, they came out of the movie and they were asked, well, what did you learn? And one little girl said, well, I learned that it doesn't matter if the other person is abusive, treats me bad, or imprisons me. All I have to do is stick through it, and it'll be all good in the end. That's the storyline to Beauty and the Beast. That's crazy. Or you take movies or novels like Fifty Shades of Grey that make love about pain, about suffering, for pleasure. It's distorted the way 
we think about love today. And this is what society has done. It's taken something that was really powerful that God himself said is good. And it's made it distorted. But you see, it even goes into the dictionary. And I, I want to read this because I was looking up the definition of love. And Merriam-Webster's says this. Let's find it. Oh, hey, I missed these slides. There you go. Love, it's a verb. It's to hold dear or to cherish. Okay, I can live with that. To feel a lover's passion, devotion, tenderness for. To caress. To fondle amorously. To copulate with. To like or desire actively. To take pleasure in. I love to play the violin. Or to thrive like roses love sunlight. But when I read this definition of what love is, it really holds no substance. To cherish, okay. To hold dear, all right. But what does that mean? You see, if we really want to understand what love is, we cannot use today's definition of love. But we got to look at it a little differently, and we got to understand how he loves. You see, to know what love is, to understand the power of it, to make love something that is more than just a fleeting emotion, we need to understand how God pictures love, how God implements love, and how God loves. You see, there is so much in the Bible written about love. You cannot go through the books of the Bible without finding love. And if we don't understand what that means, if we don't understand how God intended that to work, there is no power there. It is meaningless. You see, God's love was a love that, unlike the world, that only works when it's put into action. It is a love that needs to have a purpose. It's a love that has an end game in mind. And it's never for God himself, but it is for someone else. If I'm going to ask you, I'm going to get your participation again. If I have to ask you to say one Bible verse, first one that comes into mind that talks about love, let's see if this works. Which one are you going to think of? John 3.16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Right? First verse that comes to mind. I guessed it. I am pretty good. I got lucky. Love. If you took, take a look at this verse, you start understanding a touch of what God's love is. You see, God loves so much that he decided to give of himself for someone else, for you. See, God knew that the only way love could have any type of power is that it needed to involve sacrifice. It needed to involve giving of something. It needed to involve God himself taking on pain for someone else. You see, God's love is a love that worries more about you than about him. 
His preoccupation is not with, you know, um, a, a head count of people who like him. But it's about eternal life. It is about saying, I want to be with you forever because you are valuable. Because you are worth something. See, God's love puts value not in himself, but in you, in something else. It's not just, you know, oh, the flowers love sunlight. No, it's he loves you so much that he's going to give of himself. He's going to die for you. He did die for you. Another scripture is in John 15, 13, and it says this. Greater love has no... Here, there you go. I'm reading it on my screen. It's a little bit bigger. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. See, love is something that is stronger than life. Your life is precious to you, is it not? How many of you like being alive? I do. You see, but the love that the Bible is talking about says, as much as you like being alive, your love for someone else should be more than your life. That's powerful. Romans 13.8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whosoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Debt means you owe something. Debt means that you need to repay something. And it says every other debt can be taken care of. But you still owe love to someone else. Not for yourself only. And we'll get to that. But you see, love, and this is the way God loves. He said, there is a debt that needs to be paid. There has been sin that has been come into this world, and my kids are away from me, and I need them. I want them because they're precious to me. So a debt had to be paid. And now the Bible encourages us to continue to pay that debt. You see, love, the way the Bible starts describing it, it's not about emotion. It's not about how you feel. It's about making a choice to live for someone else. It's about making a choice to live like somebody else's well-being is more important than your own. We had the junior high here a few weeks ago and we were talking about who God is and we were watching a video clip and the video clip talked about how our responsibility is to care for those around us. Not to worry about ourselves, but to care for those around us. And one of the students turned, uh, put up his hand and said, well, okay, let me get this right. So I don't need to worry about me because you guys got me. You guys got my back. You guys are worrying about me. But that means I got to be worrying about you. I got to be caring for you. This is from one of our grade sixes. I, I looked at him. I'm like, wow, you're preaching next week because this is good stuff. But he got it. He understood that it's not about me taking care of myself. It's not about me worrying about how pretty my clothes is or if I've had enough to eat or 
whatever else, it's about me worrying if you guys have had that. Are you taken care of? When was the last time you stopped and worried about somebody else other than yourself? Come on. When was the last time you put somebody else's stuff ahead of your own? But this young man, he got it. I don't need to worry about me because you guys got me. But that also means I got you. And God does this. God's like, I don't need to worry about me. I'm God. But I'm going to worry about you. I'm going to choose to love you. I'm going to choose to care for you. I'm going to choose to be there for you. I'm going to choose to be that light unto your feet. Because I choose you. There is a time where Jesus is walking with his disciples and one of them asks the really smart question. Or actually, one of the Pharisees asks the really smart question, hey, what's the most important of the laws? You know, which one should we keep? You know, what's the most important? And Jesus answers this in Mark 12, 29 to 31. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I, I want to pause right here. I was reading this again this morning. I had this prepared already, but I was reading this again this morning, and I needed to pause right here. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's a whole sermon right there. There is one God, guys. There is one God who cares for you. There's one God who loves you. Do not put your trust in anything else but one God. Come on, yeah. There is only one way to eternal life, and that is through God. By his son, Jesus, and through the working of the Holy Spirit. And again, that's a whole other sermon, but I needed to pause there because that just stood out to me again this morning. And I'm like, wow, I've read this verse so many times and I've never paused on that. Okay, I'm going to continue. Love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So to love God takes soul, takes mind, takes strength. If love was something passing and simple, it wouldn't take those things. It requires effort. It requires purpose. It requires you to do something. Secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and there is no commandment greater than these. Today, right now, I want to focus on the first part. Loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It takes effort. It takes, I said that, it takes you giving something. You see, but... God is never going to ask you to give what he's not willing to give first. You see, God understood that for you to be able to love like he does, you've got to see how he loves. I'm going to play a video for you. I want you to watch this. I just want you to think for a minute. The video's coming, I promise. 
This is a story about love. Love that came down from heaven. Love lived with us. Love spoke. Love healed. Love drew crowds. Love changed lives. Love made waves. Love was bold in the face of enemies. Love was true, no matter the cost. And love was faithful. Love prayed, listened, and obeyed. Love knew what had to be done and did it. Love was betrayed and abandoned. Love was silent when wrongly accused. Love was whipped. Love was beaten. Love was tortured and mocked. But love was strong. Love dragged itself to a cross and laid down willingly to be insulted, shamed, nailed, stabbed, ripped, abandoned, and killed. Love hung from nails as the crowd looked on. And God looked away. Love denied comfort. Love refused rescue. Love courageously did what love had to do. Love sacrificially did what only love could do. Then love took one last breath. And finished. Love gave his life. Love paid our debt. Love saved us all even when we were not worth saving. That's real That's love. That's real love. That's real love. That's real love. See, this morning we're going to do something. We're going to remember how Christ loved. You see, there's this thing called communion that we do. And communion is us remembering what Christ did for us. You see, Jesus, before he was crucified, he sat with his disciples and he sat at a table, probably bigger than this because there was 12 disciples. But he sat at a table. And he turned to them and he said, I'm about to do something for you and I need you to see it. He took a piece of bread and he said, I'm about to give everything for you. And he started to do this. See, and I can picture this in my head. See, now we know the story. We know what Jesus was about to do. But in that moment, the disciples had no idea what this meant. But I can imagine in Jesus' heart and in his mind, he's, every time I break this bread, this is a whip that is hitting me. This is a nail through my hand. This is a tear I shed for you. And he goes and he continues to break this bread and he shares it with his disciples. They didn't know it was coming, but he did. You see, and he continues to say, Every time you get together, 
do this to remember. To remember where you came from and to remember how lost you were. To remember that you were once broken, but now I am being broken to make you whole. Communion is one of my favorite things to do because it gives me a moment to stop and to remember. It gives me a moment to understand that my life was meaningless and empty and broken, but because of Jesus, my sins are no more. Because of his blood, that he poured and shared that was spilled on the ground that day. I get eternal life. You get eternal life. There's one thing that the scriptures say, and I like this, I really like this. It says, only take this if you are worthy. Can I tell you who is worthy? The person who realizes and recognizes that without Jesus, they have and are nothing. One of my favorite images from the scriptures is this lady who comes into the temple and she goes to the offering basket and she puts in a coin. And there are religious leaders around laughing at her. Look, she only gave a coin. I've given bags of money. But the scriptures say that that lady, she gave everything because she knew that everything belonged to Christ. She knew she was unworthy. But she walked into this religious room and laid it all down. Just like Jesus laid it all down. She said, God, I don't have much. I am unworthy of you. But please take me. Please accept me. That's what it means to be worthy. To recognize that you don't deserve it. Jesus did it anyway. Father, I just thank you that today we can remember. Today we can just say thank you and recognize that it's not by our strength but by, nor by our might. But it's because of what you did. Father, thank you for taking every single one of my sins on your body that day so that today we can stand here in your presence and remember let us take the bread together
behind the cup. <laughs> there is nothing that can wash our sins away but the blood of Jesus. Nothing. But his blood was spilled. His vessel was poured out for you. This cup represents every single thing you've ever done in your life washed clean made new and forgotten about his blood makes you worthy because his love sacrificed it did he didn't just think about it. It did what only Jesus could do. Let us take the cup together. says this, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. A pleasing aroma to God. See, there's this thing about love that when we do it the way Jesus did, there's this pleasing aroma to God. There is something that happens because it's not about you. It's about everybody else around you. First Corinthians is where you think about love. See, and I want, we're going to read through this a little bit, and I've put it in bullet points, but I want you to think of three things as we're reading this. See, I think, I really believe that love has three things it needs to touch. First, our love is for God because he loved first. That's what the, that's what the scripture said. Love God first. So what have you given up for God today? What have you done today that puts God first? Because if you've done nothing, you haven't shown him love. What have you given up? What is that one coin that you hold in your hand and you say, God, it's yours. Second, what have you done for those around you in his name? What have you sacrificed? What have you given? See, but that verse, that scripture says, love your neighbor 
as yourself. Third, how do you love you? You see, loving yourself is not a selfish thing, but you have to love yourself selflessly. Because I think I can be the hardest on myself. I don't know if there's anybody here who's hard on themselves. I'm hard on myself. You see, but as we read through these, we understand that we're told to be patient and kind. But that means to you too. When was the last time you were patient with yourself? When was the last time you were patient with someone else? Do not be jealous or boastful. Do not be proud or rude. Do not demand your own way. And this is a good one. Because if you're talking about self, not demanding your own way means you're putting God's way first. How are you loving yourself? In a society that tells us that all we have to do is love ourselves and accept ourselves for who we are. That's not what the scripture says. It's more than that. Keep no record of being wrong. Do not rejoice about injustice. But rejoice whenever the truth wins. It's not about being wrong. It's about God being right. Love doesn't give up. Love doesn't lose faith. Love is hopeful, always. And love endures through every circumstance. As we read through these, every single one of these are a choice. They don't come easy. But nobody ever asked you to do it alone. Because if you love the way God loves, he's got you. It's through his strength and only his strength that we can love like this. Because if you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail. And you're going to feel bad. people here in this room that have been trying to fill a void with stuff with vices with addictions with people with relationships that lead to nowhere I think there are people in this room that need to understand God loves you so much that he is patient with you, that he is kind to you, that even though he knows what is best for you, he doesn't demand it from you. He asks. students asked me once well if God knows what is best for us why didn't he just program us to do it the right way I turned to her and I said it's 
Because if we were programmed to do it, we wouldn't choose. And if we can't choose, we can't truly love. God doesn't want you because you've been forced to love him. God wants you because you choose to love him. That's why he died. That's why he gave. But the thing is, (laughs) I love this part. Jesus did not stay dead. See, his love, his power, his strength was more than death. Earlier I said that love needs to be more than life. For Jesus, love was more than death. He did not stay in that tomb. But for you, he came back and he says, I got you. Unlike every sacrifice that had been made before Jesus, every lamb that had been slaughtered, every ram that had been slaughtered, every bird that had been killed, all the blood that was shed throughout thousands of years, Jesus does it differently. He says, I'm not staying in that grave. I'm coming back because I need to defeat this death so that you can live. The Bible says choose life. You can only choose life through love. Through him. Love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. To love somebody isn't just a strong feeling. It's a decision, a judgment, and a promise. What is your promise today? What is your decision? Spirit, there are people here who have not ever understood what love is. They've tried to experience it the way the world defines it. But Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you show them a love that fills that void, that fills that hole in their heart that only you can. Holy Spirit, Have your way here this morning. Help us understand how you've loved us. Help us care for ourselves the way you've cared for us. And Father, help us go into this world showing those around us what it is to love like you. not like you, Lord. You are the one and true God. And we are so grateful that you chose to love us, broken and bruised. 
hurting and wounded. And you make us new again. You give us a life that is eternal. You show us a love that is beyond our understanding. And that way we may put all of our strength, all of our focus, and we will decide and promise to love the way you have loved us. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.